Hi, everyone, and thank you for tuning in to the Plot Twist Design Business Podcast today. My name is Kelly Collier, and today I have the pleasure of being joined by Rashida Gray of Grayspace Interior Design, also here in Philadelphia. I'm excited about this conversation because Rashida was my very first mentor in the design industry and also now a great design friend. So enjoy this episode and let's get started. Hi, Rashida, and welcome to the podcast. Hi, Kelly. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm excellent. Thanks for asking. Awesome. So I'm excited about our conversation because I want to just make sure everybody's aware in case people don't know us or haven't um, heard the live when we did our live. But we met last year and you were my first um, mentor. So I think it's important that I acknowledge that, that you started out as um, my mentor and now we are friends, design friends. (laughs) Yes, that's right. Yep. I can't believe it's been a year already. It went by really quickly. It has. The springtime made a whole year and it was actually right before you (laughs) left your job to go full time. So yeah. So before we talk about that, I just want to ask you, how has business been uh, post quarantine for you? Um, insane. <laughs> I was trying to come up with a more professional word to describe it. Um, it's been insane in the best way possible. Um, we have been so busy here at Gray Space, um, and we have we have more projects now than we've ever had before. And so, same because I'm sure you probably felt the same way. I just was unsure of how quarantine or COVID would affect our business. And it's it's overall a tough time for our country and for, you know, us as people. Um, but I'm just grateful that the sunshine through all of this is that the insane amount of business that we've received. So it's been great. Yes, that seems to be a common theme where a lot of us have just, some of us did get a lot of e-designs during the quarantine, but then it was like immediately after um, business just kicked up, you know, everybody yeah. seemed to want to do projects and get dig into making their homes better. So it's exciting. But, you know, um, like you said, being a tough time for everybody, I think it's kind of been a silver lining, though, for business. Yes. Um, so just to put things into perspective for listeners, please share with us um, how your design journey actually began. <laughs> well, when I was just 10 years old, no, <laughs> <laughs> that's kind of when it started, but I didn't realize that um, it may have started before then, but that's the earliest memory that I have. So um, 10 years old and some sort of class and I don't know if I share this with you, Kelly. I think I have on social media. I grew up in Fayetteville, North Carolina. So um, although I have lived in Philadelphia for over 25 years now, um, I uh, spent quite a bit of time there. So I was there in grade school and I had some sort of assignment that required me to do a floor plan. To this day, I have no idea what this assignment was in fourth grade or whatever, you know, whatever age I was at that time. But um, I do recall, because I'm a visual, I have a visual memory, um, I do recall making some sort of squares and circles and doing this floor plan. So that was the start of it. And then throughout childhood, there was, you know, rearranging my bedroom and all that great stuff that many of us designers do. Um, but still through all of that, it didn't click that interior design can be an actual career. And so I went through a very traditional career path. I went to high school, I got great grades, and then I went to college and um, just kind of selected a major at 17 years old just by like part process of elimination. <laughs> and I knew I wanted to be in business because the business women wore <laughs> amazing suits and high heels. And, you know, I mean, what do you do at 17? Right. Unless you're just really driven and you just kind of am clear. I wasn't clear, but I did have to select something. So 
Um, I also knew that I wanted to be in business, but I was also creative. I've always been creative my entire life, whether it was that time in my life where I thought I was going to be a painter or a poet. Um, I even started an event planning business for three months. That didn't last long. (laughs) (laughs) That was in my mid-20s. So I've always known that I was creative. And so I selected marketing as a major under the umbrella of business. And I achieved or gained my undergrad degree in marketing and then also went on further a few years later to get my master's degree in business management with a concentration in marketing. Mm -hmm. And um, I had a 15 year career in insurance and financial services um, in the area of marketing. So that was my typical career path. It was going really well. but there was always this underlying feeling that something was missing. Um, I kind of started to search in my early 30s, like, what's my life's purpose? What do I really enjoy? How can I link what I do for a living with what I enjoy? And um, around that same time, and I know this is a long story, but I'm hoping that it triggers something for someone else who may be listening and has a similar experience. So around that same time, I was selling my personal home and purchasing my next personal home, which I currently live in now. And the real estate agent that was selling our home for us said to me, you need to stage your home. And this is 2015. And I was like, what is staging? So I hopped on Google and I'm typing, what is staging? And all these images came up and I was like, okay, I can do that. So I, I staged, I decluttered, I changed some paint colors to something more neutral. Um, removed some furniture. The realtor came back and said, this is amazing. What did you do? (laughs) And so we put our house on the market. 2015 was a really tough real estate market. Remember? Mm -hmm. And um, we got an offer from the first viewer. The first person that saw it wanted to buy it. And so I was like, "Mm, maybe there's something there. So the (laughs) interior design thing started to come back. And all along this time, my husband and I both, he loves to like Um, be very handy and do some slight light construction. Um, That is not his profession. He's an insurance agent, but he likes to do it in his free time. Um, And so we've always done things around our houses, like, you know, tweak this here and tweak that there. Mm -hmm. So we said our, our next house will be a fixer upper. And so that's what this house is that I'm living in now. And we did a lot of fixing up in the beginning of the, when we first bought it five years ago. And that was the spark. That was it. I, I love doing that. Mm-hmm. I did it day and night. I took vacation from my full-time job to lay some floors in my new house. And I was like, I love this. Yes. This is amazing. <laughs> That's when you know you love it. When you take time off work to do it. <laughs> that was my vacation time and I loved it. So long story short, because this is a long story. <laughs> I, thank you. I decided to, if I really like it, I'm going to walk away from this corporate career. And at this time, I was just promoted to assistant vice president. So I'm going to walk away from this corporate career. I better make sure that I really like it. So I took some courses at Temple mm-hmm. and received a non-credit certification in interior design. Um, from those courses and that's when I knew that I definitely want to move forward with this so yeah that's kind of how the journey started and while I was taking courses I got my first client and the rest has been history that that is so interesting to me I always smile when I hear you talk about this part even when you talk to others because (laughs) our start was very very similar in fact um, as you know a mutual friend at work I was telling her I was taking the courses at Temple and this is the business I was starting and she was like oh you have to talk to my friend Rashida she does it and she's amazing and the rest was history and there you know I was in your inbox so yep (laughs) and I was in Cheryl's inbox the same way was just for others that don't know she's my mentor and so you know if you come correct and you do it the right way you can go into someone's inbox well now we all have access to each other's emails but you can certainly reach out to them and try to you know build a relationship that way so yeah and I think to me it was invaluable because I remember talking at lunch you took time out of your schedule which I really appreciated to meet me downtown for lunch and I just remember hearing you talk about um, at that time what you were getting ready to do and then watching you do it and watching 
the success and you just making yourself available if I needed anything or to text you with a question or call you. And I certainly yeah. did um, on my first project. I remember. <laughs> Like, do you have a moment? I have an issue. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So That's awesome. Yeah, it was really helpful. But so before we talk more about, uh, well, you kind of already answered when you knew it was your time to leave corporate, um, to go into this full time. But while you were still in corporate, for those of us who are still balancing, what strategies did you have in place um, to really be successful? Because you had clients like back to back, even while you were working. Yeah. Um, I would say the most important strategy that I had in place is just being transparent with clients. And so um, when I had projects, when appropriate, well, I guess often, I I think I always brought it up at a consultation. Mm -hmm. I would let clients or potential clients know that, you know, I do um, also work a full-time job. And so I'm typically available in this time frame. you know, mm-hmm. evening hours, weekend hours. Um, so I was very um, transparent with clients early on, just so that, you know, it's the worst when the client's like, hey, I emailed you, you didn't get back to me. Mm-hmm. That's what, like gives me anxiety. Mm-hmm. So I just did not want to deal with that and trying to balance a corporate job. Um, so I would say that's definitely a, a top strategy. And then uh, another strategy would be um, really just to make sure that you are um, carrying a proper workload, if I will. So um, just kind of evaluate your time. And after a few projects, you'll know how much time you may need. And so um, I kind of made mistakes along the way on having too many design projects while working full-time and so um after a while i realized you know i can't go over this many projects um, because it takes this many hours so just be mindful of your available time because you are working full-time mm-hmm. i figured that out this summer <laughs> yeah <laughs> i figured out um that i'm at capacity right now as we record this and that's awesome it's just it is a blessing but it's also um honoring ourselves because i think sometimes we tend to want to help everybody yeah but we also have to realize if we want to maintain that certain level of quality and also our sanity we have to you know balance it and so um i remember something you said to me also gave me an aha moment when you said that you typically work from 9 p.m to 1 a.m at that time because <laughs> because you said you know in between work you have to have your family time and dinner yeah and for me I took for granted just because my daughter was still away at school that I didn't sure. need dinner or that I didn't need downtime <laughs> so yeah I was literally turning off one laptop and feeling up my personal laptop and it was like insane so when you said yep. that to me you kind of really helped me out more than you even probably realized because I was like oh okay that's what I'm missing and that's what I needed to actually do better so yeah it's a it's a um a mental shift too mm-hmm. I I totally was uh operated in two different worlds when I had my full-time job mm-hmm. versus running my own design business so just have an hour or two or, or what have you in between the two um, but yeah, you're right. I, you, I'm a night owl. So 1am is not super late to me. <laughs> so that works for me. Um, but just, I guess the point is you work on your business every single day. Mm-hmm. That is the only way to grow is to work on your business every day and try to have some sort of consistent schedule. And so that was my schedule. The nine to five took an hour to get home, had some dinner, talked to the kids. And then when everyone was almost down for the evening, at 9 p.m. is when I started to work again. So. Nice. So I think that was helpful, and I hope it helps anyone else who's listening because I'm finding that there's more people than not that are actually still balancing. So um, now, just fast forward a little bit. Now that you are full swing ahead, full time, you have a team in your firm. So how's that been going for you actually building and managing a team? It's been really, really good. Um, So a couple things that I've learned from corporate and learned from mentors and learned from podcasts and books along the way is that you hire to your weaknesses. Um, What the struggle was in reality was when do I hire? Like, how do I, I don't, I can't bring on more projects because I'm at capacity. 
um, to pay for the people that I want to hire. So like what comes first, the chicken or the egg? Um, I say what comes first is a little leap of faith <laughs> and then the rest will happen. Right. So um, I always um, tend to operate lean. So I do have a team of two um, in addition to myself. So there's three of us total. And then I also have contractors that I work with and handymen and installers and all of that. They're an extension of my team as well. Um, but internally we have three, it's myself. And then I have my project manager who started with me two and a half years ago. Um, and she's been with me since. And then I have a design assistant who is coming up on a year in about a month or so. Um, I broke, bought both of them on as a temporary position. Um, and I bought both of, both of them on just to get tactical as an independent contractor. Um, so they both are still independent contractors. I don't, technically have employees because they are not w2 mm-hmm. employees and they don't receive benefits um so they are part-time typically um right now they are working full-time hours because <laughs> we're at capacity yeah. um but that just helps me to stay lean that you know their number of hours or what i pay them is based off of the amount of projects and the amount of work that we bring in. So ideally, the more projects, the more money, the more I have to be able to pay the team. So um, that helped me to figure out, like, how am I going to pay them? So Mm -hmm. um, in the beginning, it was a leap of faith because, because of course, when someone joins, you know, it costs more money to hire than it is to fire. So when, of course, when someone joins, there's a cost of acquiring that person. So there was some downtime with training and that kind of thing. So that's where the leap of faith came in. Um, But now we're at a place where they essentially pay for themselves. Um, but it's been a blessing because I said earlier, higher to your weaknesses. So I will be the first to admit, I don't know CAD and I don't have a desire to learn CAD. Um, <laughs> I don't have a desire. I mean, I'm a naturally curious person. So some days I'm like, oh, it would be great if I knew how to do CAD. But then other days I'm like, listen, girl, there's only 24 hours in a day. Yes. You cannot do everything. And so... Um, it's been a blessing and I hired to my weaknesses because, for example, Carla and Rose, actually, um, my first and second hire, they both know how to do CAD. Um, my first hire is a student right now, um, and she is obtaining her master's in interior architecture. Um, and so she has a ton of technical expertise that I don't have. So she balances me wow. well in that way. That's awesome. And then, yeah, it's been helpful. And then my second hire the reason I said yes to her is because she has a ton of expertise in construction. Mm -hmm. And so she has been an excellent project manager when it comes to construction projects. Um, And so hire to your weaknesses, hire with a little bit of faith, but you also have to have like a a plan. Like every year I sit down and I say, this is what our projected revenue is for the company. Mm -hmm. And so and I also project our expenses. And so if that falls within that projection, then I feel even more confident to go forward. Right. I, I love it. And I think that's a very important point that you made at the end about having a projection, having a plan, because I don't know if everybody out here is starting off their business with that in mind. Like how much do you think you're going to make and how much do you want to make and what is the yeah. plan? Um, so that's important to bookmark, I think, for people to explore that and make sure they're ready. So then when the business does get, you know, enough for them to hire, they'll be able to sit down and reevaluate exactly what they did in the beginning. And I will also say, just speaking to um, people who are working full time and also starting the business, Mm -hmm. you have your, that's also a blessing because you have your corporate income to fall back on. So I hired my first hire when I was still working in corporate, because if nothing else, I could pay her with the money that Grace Space makes. And I have my income from corporate to support me Mm -hmm. and my family. Super. So I always say you're, um, your corporate job is your first investor in your yes, company. Yes, it is. It really <laughs> it is. is. It really and is. so it just gives you, listen, I, the three years, I worked three and a half years doing both my corporate job and Grace Space. And those three and a half years were full of lessons learned that were supported by my investor, my corporate job. <laughs> um, so I was able to like try things and make mistakes. I mean, I've tried a lot of stuff when I had a, um, <laughs> Nothing, no, listen, I don't want to sound like I'm being like um, shady to anyone, but I had a pillow line and it was not the right thing for me to do. Right. I just thought that I wanted to do it. It was not right for me. Mm-hmm. Um, 
so I wasted money doing that, <laughs> but, and, and other things along the way. And so, um, you know, I probably had some projects that I didn't, I did have some projects that, you know, one or two here and there that I didn't do a good job on. And so I had to refund the clients some money. So all those things and all those mistakes were done when I had the support of my corporate job. So no, anyway, no, it's I, not, a, it's a good thing. It's, and it's so amazing that you can share that and be transparent, Rashida, because same here because right. even starting my LLC Plot Twist Home is actually a fictitious name that I mm-hmm. purchased and ever when I didn't mm-hmm. realize that I didn't need to purchase that I just needed to do the LLC so I said okay mm-hmm. I started Plot Twist Design LLC and now Plot Twist Home is an entity of it which I thought I was going to be selling decor by now which I am not mm-hmm. but I decided when I decided to add the real estate back into play in my life incorporated that kind of just deci- I kind of decided that was going to fall under oh, I see. Home. yeah so yep. along the way like you said there are things that we'll figure out it sounds good in the beginning or it sounds like a yep. great idea but you know what this is going to work better or that's going to yes. work better and don't be afraid to try like mm-hmm. try something and if it doesn't work move on to the next thing <laughs> exactly. but don't like spend you know years contemplating should I do should I do should I do if you are spending that long then maybe you should but if you feel like you're ready, then go for it and just, um, you know, you'll list, you're living, you learn, just learn lessons from it. That's all. There's no mistakes, only lessons. Oh, one more thing. Mm-hmm. I did not have a business plan my first year in business. Mm-hmm. And also I should say, I didn't have a business plan. I've, I've yet to sit down and write and I, I've went to business school, so I know what it is. I've yet to sit down and write a 20 page business plan. <laughs> I do every year have a four page document that outlines my revenue, my marketing plan, my operations plan. So I do have that, but it's four pages, not 20 pages. So please don't get intimidated to to people who are just starting, Um, you know, just have a mission or a vision your first year, maybe some high level outline plans and goals. And then by year two, you're ready to kind of elongate that plan and go into detail, but don't let that hold you back. Yeah, I was gonna say, my business plan sounds like yours. It's definitely Mm -hmm. not 20 pages. It's only a few pages and honestly, very similar to my business contract. I hear a lot of people talk about their contracts are all these pages and I think they grow as you grow. Yes. Um, and as absolutely, learn, so I definitely can relate to that part as well. Um, so that said, I just want to ask, what would you say has been your biggest challenge so far in business? Oh man, <laughs> just one. Just one. No, you can share more than one. But what, no, I'm joking. What, I'll just what comes to mind. Um, okay. I would say knowing when to turn it off. Mm. Um, it's probably part of my personality, but add on becoming an entrepreneur has made me like live, breathe, eat, sleep, great space. (laughs) (laughs) That is all I talk about. I apologize to my friends because I am just like, (laughs) head first in um so that's been a challenge just trying to find the balance if there is a such thing um and you know I think the best way to approach and the other part is I came from corporate and so I had a separate corporate life you walk out the building physically in corporate and then that's when you release the work day mm-hmm. so you go back and you work on your computer laptop at home but Generally speaking, your corporate life was separate from your personal life. Right. But because my brand is just who I am, it's ingrained in everything I do. So mm-hmm. um, I am learning to delegate and to turn it off so that I can have some sort of balance. But that's been my biggest challenge. And along with that, and I said this before on a few podcasts, that pro- time management is a part of that challenge. Mm-hmm. So learning to turn it off and like learning, like literally learning when to turn it off. So um, what, because like everything starts and ends with you mm-hmm. as the as the business owner. So right. I just, um, I've been working on it. I don't know if I have a solution for it yet. Um, but I do say, you know, um, on the weekends, I try not to work on the weekends. So now I'm full-time. I'm, I try not to work on the weekends and then I try to cut it off by a certain time every night. So, right. That is a big challenge. I think, I think a lot of us, um, deal with that. And I think it has a lot to do with the fact that you, if you're passionate and you just love it that much, 
Um, right. And like you said, everything starts and ends um, with you. So I still work on Saturdays, but I do try to stop around 12 or 1 p.m. Right. Um, but that's because I'm not full time. So right. I definitely think you need to take your weekends off if you can. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, listen, you can, weekend, no one is expecting to hear from you. And so I just have been very um, intentional about setting that with my clients. Like, oh, we'll get back to you by Monday or something like that. So, okay. So out of curiosity, I've asked this question to quite a few people um, because, you know, our we have different phases in our process and design. So if you had to say what your favorite thing is about the business, what would you say or favorite phase in the project? Hmm. Okay, I like the end because it's a big sigh of relief that we're done. (laughs) (laughs) No, I really like the end because that's when the client gets to see the fruits of their labor. Mm -hmm. And that's when we internally get to Mm -hmm. see the fruits of our labor because we get the response from the client. Um, So for us, that's the install phase. So I love that. And, um, you know, I think what I have figured out that I love most about design is um, one it is it just totally taps into like who I am as a person and my creative juices and you know I just love design as a whole like um shapes and colors and patterns and how they all work together um but I also love that the impact that we make in a client's life Mm -hmm. I truly wholeheartedly believe that a great design space room home positively impacts the um mental and even physical um status of a person like it has a positive impact on people's lives and so my goodness the fact that I get to do what I love and positively impact someone in that way means everything to me so um that's what I love most about design the impact that it has on our clients lives and the fact that we're done at the install (laughs) stage yes I agree (laughs) I absolutely love or the reveal moments mm-hmm, mm-hmm. for sure um and sometimes though you gotta like <laughs> I have to um what's the word kind of like teeter myself on like because some clients are not so as animated and like and I'm like well listen that's just their personality yes. and sometimes it's a little overwhelming that clients are speechless and they don't react in the way that you expect so I try to temper my expectations that's what I was trying to say okay um based on the client but yeah I love that moment yes for sure um so let's talk about something else that we do have a common love for which is real estate um and I wanted to ask you if you could share what made you decide to start flipping properties because I don't necessarily know that that's an ongoing plan for you but I know you've done more than one so what made you decide to start doing that additional streams of income yes. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> that's part of it that that's definitely half of it the other half is right now most of my real estate activity happens in the neighborhood that I grew up in mm-hmm. so um I've been in Philly for 25 years since I was 10 well that's over 25 years gosh um and so um I've always lived in Germantown Okay. And um, that's where most of our flipping transactions happen, our real estate um, property renovations. So for me, it is a way to give back to the neighborhood that I grew up in by mm-hmm. purchasing and, and renovating homes and still keeping them at affordable prices that you're not like gentrifying the area in a way that you're pushing people out, but you're just making the... Um, you're making the neighborhood, beautifying the neighborhood. Right. So that's one reason. And then, of course, the second reason is multiple streams of income. And then thirdly, both it's something that both my husband and I are very interested in. So it's something that we do together as a family. It's a, it's a legacy um, building um, stream of income for us. Mm-hmm. I absolutely love it. And I do um, share that philosophy with regard to the multiple streams of income but for me it's also about just being able to marry two things that you absolutely love i mean with, yeah. without real estate you can't do interior design so that's right that's what i always say um so if you can share are there any lessons key lessons or tips that you have learned in maybe one or two of your first flips that you can share oh goodness there were a lot of lessons so i have done two flips and was just about to purchase the third and um, COVID happened and I 
put brakes on it and said, we really need to reevaluate how does this impact the market? And so we actually are, um, we've had some time to kind of debrief as a team, my husband and I, and we have a couple of investors involved Mm -hmm. and we are going to go forward with purchasing. So we'll be closing on our third property next week, next Monday. Awesome. So I'm excited about it. Thank you. Um, But there have been many lessons along the way. Um, I would say it was at that time, my first flip property, I was working full time, building gray space and trying to flip a property. So I almost had three jobs at one point. Mm-hmm. Um, so I really found that it's more imperative for me to be involved in the project. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's also imperative that everyone on the team has their separate duties and responsibilities. One for peace in my household, because <laughs> I don't want to step on his toes yes. and he doesn't need to step on mine because guess what? I let my husband pick a backsplash because he said it was on sale and it was the ugliest. Oh my God. (laughs) (laughs) I had picked one and they're like, no, we need to cut costs. And I was like, go ahead, do whatever. Cause I was working three jobs and then they put the new (laughs) one in and I was like, what in the world is this? Oh my God. So we ended up putting it out and it was, they had to redo it. And it was a costly, I'm so serious, costly mistake now. He actually ended up doing the labor to redo it, but we still had to buy the materials again. So, oh my goodness! Uh, I say um, my lesson was have everyone have their individual responsibilities and stick to those, like their area of expertise, mm-hmm. and then um, to make sure you're involved. And then also contractors. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes, <laughs> contractors. Um, you know, just be highly involved with contractors and the flipping process and with even with interior design. So just, um, you know, have a good relationship and be highly involved and, and attentive to the project. Now about contractors. So mm. there's a lot of controversy, as you know, in horror stories that we often share about contractor experiences. So yeah. recently I've been talking to a few of my design friends about whether or not they kind of broker the deal where they bring the client the contractor let Uh them bid on the job and then the client pays the contractor directly or their company has a steady eddie if you will um contractor that they just always use and then they build a client directly that way and your from your experience I don't know if you've done it both ways, but are there any tips you can share or best practices? And if you can share how you handle contractors with renovations? Yes. So my business practices and tactics are ever evolving, but as of right now, the way that we are working projects is anything under $10,000 in terms of construction costs. Mm -hmm. um, We are, um, we are billing the client directly and then we just, hire a subcontractor to execute okay Uh, so you know if we just need an electrician to put in some recessed lights or we just need someone to lay floors in a few rooms um we will handle that directly and we will sub out the contractor um but if it's over ten thousand to us that's a that number is ever evolving but if it's over a certain threshold that's when the contractor likely has a GC involved. Mm -hmm. Um, And so that GC is managing the project and therefore we have everything built directly through the contractor. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's, that's our, that's our plan right now. We'll see how that works. We may increase the threshold, um, but I feel comfortable um, being able to find the right subcontractors at 10,000 or under. Cause I do my, I think my sweet spot for design right now is projects that require furniture of course decorating but also have light construction Mm -hmm. so i love a project where we're adding a fireplace yes i love a project where we are painting doing wallpaper adding recessed lights kind of those small things to upgrade a space or a home yes um and then when it gets beyond that where it's like a full bathroom or a full kitchen that's when i like to let the contractor thrive in their area of expertise and I back away Okay, because uh, I think it takes multiple days to do those projects and there's just more room for error and so since contracting is not my area of expertise I typically hand it over to the contractor um, to handle that project from start to finish. I will refer my guys to the client but it's totally up to them who they decide to go with. Okay. I absolutely love the fact that you set a threshold because I have a similar philosophy, which 
I'm just getting to the point where I decided to stick with a certain contractor for small um, things like you said installing some wood paneling or some closet doors changing out things like that Um, but anything that's more involved with full renovation I definitely would prefer to just keep it separate for me yep um, yeah. yeah, it's too much liability. I don't have the insurance coverage for that. Um, so, so I don't have general contractors insurance because I'm not a general contractor. Makes sense. Um, so I stay away from anything that requires a GC. Makes perfect sense for sure. Um, so how has it been for you and your husband, both being entrepreneurs, balancing with family time? Because he also has his own business. <laughs> We, um, we've, let me preface this by saying we have been together for 18 years. And so we know each other very well. Um, and so when I started my business, I, I did speak with my husband about, you know, I want to start a business. I don't know what the journey is going to be, but I know it's going to take additional time away from us as a family because I'm working full time and starting a business. So I had that conversation. He gave me his full blessing, said, go for it. I know, you know, he's known that I've always been like, what's my purpose? He said he knew early on. He actually pushed me to start the business. Nice. So um, I had the conversation with him. But for both of us as entrepreneurs, um, the great thing about him being an entrepreneur is that he's been doing it for almost 10 years now. Mm-hmm. And um, his um, his company, his um, business is more predictable in terms of time and that kind of thing so he's able to kind of manage his time better while i'm still in the growing and building phase mm-hmm. and so i'm a bit more unpredictable um so we just i don't know we just make it work listen we have a google calendar and if it isn't the rule is if it's not on the calendar it doesn't happen so <laughs> it's everything from i'm going to go get my nails done to i have a consultation or a site visit if it's not there, it doesn't happen. If we have a conflict, then the other person, whoever's the second to add it, has to figure out, mm. you know, change their schedule to adjust. So um, we just do that. And um, our children are a little older, 10 and 15. Mm-hmm. And so it's okay for us to run out for a few hours and do whatever we need to do in their home by themselves. Or we lean on our village a lot. Um, just yesterday, I thought I was going to have off from a special project that I'm working on. And we can chat about that in a second. But I thought I was going to have off and I didn't. I got called in. And so I was like, Mom, can you please come over? I'm going to be gone all day. Yes. So we on our village and we just try to communicate with each other as much as possible. I love that. And you know what? It, what I hear constantly in this whole conversation is time management, time management, cool. and also compromising, mm-hmm. you know, with family and with ourselves. Um So I do have a sidebar question in a sense Uh about have you established your niche yet or do you have a favorite um, aesthetic style? Hmm. Um, I think I have a little bit of a look. I still feel like I am growing as an interior designer. So I don't want to pigeonhole myself into a certain style of design Mm -hmm. because I feel like it's still evolving. The more that I learn, um, the more it changes. But I will say a lot of clients say to me, and I actually did do some market research. I'm going to see if I can find the note. I did some market research like two years ago, and I asked some of my favorite clients, what do you think that my design style is? Or what what words would you use to describe my design style? Mm -hmm. Um, And so let's see if I can find it. All right, so design style. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, I'll tell you what I know the first word is because this is how I would describe it. Um, But it's a very open-ended word, Um, contemporary. Um, So contemporary, you know, is like of the now. Like it's kind of what's on trend. And I don't like trends. Um, (laughs) I don't. Um, But I think it's contemporary in a way that um, it's very much clean lines, I'm very big on like minimal but warm. Mm-hmm. So um, I like to have spaces that aren't cluttered but still feel homey and warm and, and uh, livable. But the other two words that my clients used were um, high style slash stylist slash, slash chic. Mm-hmm. That's not a design word. Um, <laughs> I don't know how to interpret that. Um, 
But um, yeah, I would say contemporary with, um, I also think I do enjoy traditional lines a bit. Mm-hmm. So a nod to traditional. Mm-hmm. Um, and I also enjoy contemporary, I mean, I'm sorry, traditional like wood tones and colors and that kind of thing. So mm-hmm. contemporary with a nod to traditional and a little bit of like, um, I don't know if I want to say like nature inspired or organic, but, um, you know, I just recently completed my one room challenge. So if I had to say what project was my design style, it would be my home. I was just getting ready to say that. Everything you just (laughs) described is your entire first floor. Yes. um, That you completed, which is amazing for sure. Thank you. It would be my home. And, but I also also think of myself as like not the design whisperer but I like to really understand who each client is and interpret that in their home so that's why I was like I don't want to box myself into a design style because it depends on the client Mm -hmm. so Mm -hmm. but I do think I have a certain look uh, developing I should say yeah I can definitely see it um yeah definitely can see it but I just wanted to hear you explain it because um, it seems to be the million dollar question that people always want to know. Like, what's yeah. your niche? And and so many of us are still ever growing. And no matter what level, from what I understand, it's it's an ongoing thing. Absolutely. Um, so I have to pause for a moment to recognize, number one, all the multiple features that have happened for you in Great Space recently. Um, we have seen you on HGTV, Fox Local News. So what's next for Grace Space? What's your vision or is there anything that you can share with us um, about what's next? Oh my gosh. Everything's always so secretive. I know. I'm not- <laughs> we want to hear it here first. <laughs> listen, listen now, over time here. Listen. <laughs> I can't. I can't. No, whatever, whatever you feel comfortable with. Whatever you feel comfortable with sharing. Be fine. Um, I will say, generally speaking, because I do have a vision for Gray Space, mm-hmm. um, I would like Gray Space to be a world renowned brand mm-hmm. um, in the home space. Mm-hmm. And so for me, that sits under the umbrella of, of course, interior design and design services, but also. Um, to reach more households in America more broadly with um, products under a design umbrella. So I would love to have um, furniture lines and um, textile lines and wall coverings and anything that has to do with home. I would love the Gray Space brand to be on it. Um, So that is what I would love for the business. Um, And then additionally, you know, I really do enjoy being on television which is interesting because if you were to ask friends I've known in like elementary school middle school they would tell you that I was probably the shyest kid um or one of the shyest kids in the class (laughs) and so um I don't know what it is about television but I really like it Mm -hmm. um and so I prayerfully will continue to expand in that arena I'm kind of working on something in that realm right now and so um you know when it gets released which will be soon in a few months i'll be able to share what that project is but yeah i would say um expanding the brand in the areas of television and um product lines i love it i can i can totally see everything coming to fruition because one thing I will say, and I'm not just saying this because we're friends, but be, in the very beginning, once I was introduced to you and started watching your journey unfold a bit um, and starting to figure out myself, um, a lot of me personally and my corporate career, I've always had my hands on a lot of things, always like to volunteer and not just do my regular job. And so that has spilled over into the business, which is why I'm doing a podcast. But um I think building a brand was always important to me from the beginning. And that's something to me that stood out with you is that I felt like you had a brand established yeah. and it shows. And I feel like that's something that's really, really important. And when people can start identifying that in you and saying that to you, that's when I feel like, you know, whatever you're doing is right. You know what I mean? Yeah. 
So um, I can definitely see it and I can't wait. I just can't wait. <laughs> Thank you. Yep. I am. Um, sometimes I stand on the side of, sometimes it feels like an outer body experience and I just look and I'm like, this is really happening yes. in my life. Um, and sometimes I got to pause for a second to really enjoy it. Um, but it's it's not, I should say, I don't want to get, for, I don't want to offend anyone, but it's not me. It's God that is before me that's mm-hmm. opening all these doors mm-hmm. um, for sure. And so I'm just glad that I said yes to um, being a servant leader and answering my calling and doing something um, that um, really is a calling on my life. And I think that has a lot to do with like all this stuff kind of comes naturally to me. Mm-hmm. And I don't think it's a coincidence and I should, should have spoke to this earlier, but I don't think it's a coincidence that um, you see a brand that I'm building because I have a marketing background. So yep. I still love marketing. Mm-hmm. I still think it's amazing. If you would have asked me 10 years ago, if marketing would have been as hot as it is right now, like <laughs> we have to beg for corporate budgets to help yes. us to market and insurance companies. They're like, oh, we don't need marketing. We just have the agents go knock on the local doors of people, you know? So like uh, insurance agents, cause I market it in insurance, mm-hmm. but marketing is such a big part of of business right now and so um i think i was in marketing for a reason Mm -hmm. so i would say to anyone that's doing a corporate job or coming from a different career even teachers like anything Mm -hmm. don't discount even nurses like i can see an erica ward kind of sticks out of my mind with this phrase um that i listened to her podcast when i started four years ago on the way nigeras podcast Mm -hmm. Don't discount those transferable skills. Right. Like if you are a marketer um, or in advertising or sales, those skills totally relate to yes. business. If you are a nurse, I know some of my nurse friends are the most black and white people ever. They're like, <laughs> yes. you do step one, and yes. then when step one is done, you do step two, yes. and they are so orderly. Yes. I'm not like that most of the time, but um, you know that is a transferable skill in interior design because we like to work in phases, and people like that yes. as a client. Um, even if you're a teacher, like you can teach clients about the design process and mm-hmm. teach them about materials mm-hmm. and why you make selections. So all of those things matter if you are coming. Cause you know, in the beginning I was like, you know, I spent um, tens of thousands of dollars on education <laughs> that has right. nothing to do with interior design. Why am I at this point in my life in my mid thirties? gravitating towards this career and it all matters it has made me who i am today Mm -hmm. and will help in the future i'm sure i agree and honestly i've started helping a couple of um i won't say mentees per se Mm -hmm. but just kind of consulting and helping people start their business and kind of get things in order a bit um because it's something i'm good at and it's and, and like you said, it's a transferable skill. I'm an analytical person. I've been an analyst for years in business and corporate and then managing commercial large accounts. So managing people, processes, that is what I do, you know? Yeah. So it all transfers over, um, like you said, and it's not a waste. It's just where we're supposed to be. But your spirit and everything just exudes all that. So... It it definitely does. So you kind of gave some advice, but is just before we close, is there any other advice you want to leave or impart with anybody else who's going to be starting out soon or thinking about going into this business? Um, I guess I would just recap a couple of things that I shared about earlier. One, um, it's quite all right to have um, to do both work a full time job and to build a business if your life allows for it like you got to be realistic because there are some of us who may have other responsibilities that your life doesn't allow for it but if it does i would certainly say feel free to do both for a bit so that again your corporate job can be your investor you can make mistakes along the way you can grow the business and then um, when the time is right go full time so um i'd say definitely i know you had um ricardo on Mm -hmm. um week or a few weeks ago and he's he's still working his full-time job and he's um an amazing designer has Mm -hmm. been around for a few years and he's like I'm not letting it go because I don't feel the need to right now and I think that's so smart Mm -hmm. um 
so just evaluate your life and pray about it and then you know decide when to let go but don't do it too prematurely it is not this entrepreneur life ain't what the glamour <laughs> thing listen no. it is not as glamorized as everyone thinks no, like not. have your savings have the yes. six months or whatever you need at this point with covid who knows how much we need in savings but right. have your savings before and do both if you can um that's my first piece of advice the second is to always um highlight your strengths and hire to your weaknesses or outsource mm-hmm. to your weaknesses mm-hmm. there are any maybe you can't hire an assistant right now but there are virtual assistants that are available yes. um and just think of it you know i did business coaching for a year mm-hmm. uh, and i just wrapped that up almost a year ago and um it was invaluable my business coach um gosh i forgot what my my point was my business coach oh my business coach said to me that you know the way that you know you're ready to hire is that you just if you feel like you don't have enough money to do it then you just need to increase your rate so that you can do so so Mm -hmm. um there's all and then also the virtual assistants would help so um leave it at that let's leave it at those two for now okay um to make sure that you um hire to your weaknesses or outsource accordingly to grow and then also, um, if you are working a full-time job, to kind of um, hold on to both as long as you possibly can. Right. I, I think that's invaluable advice. And the only thing I can add for from my side would be, don't. I think it's just a faith over fear. And I'm really unapologetically spiritual. Um, right. No filters. So I think, right. to me, I feel like no matter what religion a person is, I think a level of faith, high level of faith is needed because there are going to be times where you're going to self self doubt and get and be afraid and i've been saying it a lot lately just do it scared a lot of the things i do i, oh I gosh, do it scared i live by that, I live by that. <laughs> people are like you're so fearless i got like nope say, you're fearless i'm like i am faithful. yes i'm full of faith i should yes. say yes so i agree yep so I want to just say thank you, thank you, thank you again for taking time out of your busy schedule to come on and chat with me and for everything that you share with our listeners today. It's been a fun conversation. Yeah. So I'll look forward to I might more. call you, um, I might call you Oprah Collier. <laughs> I'll take it. We're going to have a line together or something. I love it though. You're like, listen, we want to know what's really going on. Right. Um, but I, I promise I'll share as soon as somebody tells me I cannot be screaming like, yeah, that's what's happening. But I um, and yeah, it'll be fun. Yes. In the meantime, thank you. Thank you sure. to you for having me onto the podcast. And thank you for even being, you know, I know we started mentor mentee, but you have been a support to me as well, just being another designer in Philadelphia. And I think you lead with a servant heart. And so I think that people see that you're always supportive of designers and the design community. And um, the fact that you're doing a podcast to give back to the design community is proof of that. So thank you for having me. Oh, thank you. I really appreciate it for sure. I look forward to more. Maybe it'll be a live or something, but I look forward to checking in with you sometime down the line so we can say, remember when we talked about that? That's right. That's right. (laughs) All right. Well, I'll be talking to you soon. Yes, same here. Have a good one. You too. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye.